Welcome to the Wine Thursday podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Aya, and I guess it's sort of like a special kind of thing. Just me and Avery. Speaking of which, my co-host Avery, right here. Hey, what's up? I think we just wanted to have like like an episode where it's just kind of like you and me, right? Yeah. Just us, your your regular couple here. It's Friday. Just to start off, how was as in its entirety? How was it your week coming back to school? Because I know that like we we took a trip. We took you know, or you took some days days off. How was it coming back to school? It's actually been a while because. I was actually listening to our last episode uh, while driving the past, like, two days. And I'm like, damn, that was, like, January 11th, I think, that we released it. And we definitely recorded it, like, like post-New Year's, I think, like, right after. Yes. It's been, like, two months. Hi, everybody. Birthday's passed. Uh, I think we were trying to do another one um, before maybe Mario's birthday, but we've all been pretty busy. Mario's got school. I was doing her classes. Bryn's in school. Uh, work. Then my birthday came up. Like I said, we took a trip to Seattle, which is really fun uh, for my birthday. And after we got back, I got sick. And then also my parents, or I guess at my house, the water pipes bursted. They bursted actually like before we left for Seattle, just nobody knew. And just like many Filipino households, mine is a hoarding house. So it's a bunch of junk everywhere. <laughs> and we had to like empty the garage. A lot garage. of Filipino houses are like that. Yeah, like if if you can't imagine what that looks like, it's like... You can't park in the garage anymore because there's a bunch of stuff in it. That's how crowded it is. And inside the house is a little similar too. And we had to empty out a lot. I think my parents underestimated the amount of construction that was looming or imminent. And because mm-hmm. my brother is a civil engineer, he like already could predict where they were going to make holes, where they needed to go. And when I was here, my parents told us like, oh yeah, we're just going to do like a one-two and then they fix the pipes. I was like, oh, that sounds easy. And when my brother talked to the plumber, my brother was like, oh, no, 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 it's like not that simple. Um, they got to like, if they're going to do a different route, which they did, because our house is old and everything was underground. So that's where the leak was. So luckily nothing got wet, but they basically drilled a hole in the side of our house where the hose runs, like the outside type of piping, drilled it into the garage. So that's why we had to empty the garage, went all the way around to the water heater, then snuck it inside, had to break a hole in our bathroom and then had to break holes in the ceiling to run all the way to the kitchen and then built like all these pipes in our ceiling and stuff and it was a huge mess it was a long week and simultaneously like I said when we got back and I said I got sick it wasn't COVID it was more like a actually it's like undiagnosed but I think I had like a bladder infection I had a lot of flu-like symptoms it was terrible and simultaneously with construction happening and trying to empty the house out I just wasn't recovering the way that I wanted to in an ideal world I would have just worked from home and slept but no the past week has been very interesting like I said I took a couple more days off because I just wasn't recovering well Um, I'm better now went back to work this was the first full week back for me it's been a lot of ups and downs I think the first week of a month is usually crazy for me because a lot of meetings happen like the first of the month Uh, I had to host my department meeting. That was pretty stressful, but I think it went pretty well. I think it was more productive than any of my other meetings because like I'm starting to realize that I can't rely on my administration to lead me. They kind of rely on us to call the shots on that, which doesn't really make sense. When you think of a boss to manager, you know, usually the boss tells you what the objective is or the structure. Like I want you to do this and you manage it. Cool. I got it. 
I'm more like metaphorically paving a road by myself. And then I ask them, hey, is this good? And they're like, yeah, it's great. And then it's just like, okay, I don't know if I'm using the right concrete or materials. And, it, you know, kind of like walking. Yeah, there, there's no like, a, I don't know, like outline or something that you could follow from like just being a department head mm-hmm. kind of. And you would think like, it's just like, I'm, I'm just connecting to like you because from a business standpoint, and I talked to my brother about this a lot. It's like, there's no business plan. There's no structure. It's like, <laughs> like what's going on here? And I, I think from like an outsider's perspective, it's kind of hard to have like a an outline say like I, i've had sort of like leadership or speaker roles before but there have been the same speaker roles prior to that so like they're like you know they have their outlines they have their presentations or whatever i can base it off of that but it's it's probably hard to like be like well i'm the new department head now i'm gonna base it off of this or like whatever yeah like i agree you would think and i was looking for like a manual essentially somebody tell me like hey these are the 12 things you need to at least get done there wasn't even that like (laughs) i think i've encountered this problem before and it was back when i was like on eboard for samahan there was there wasn't really structure luckily i had a predecessor is that the right word uh who at least said here are the things you need to do and then i realized that i did more that year and I was like, okay, I need the next person to know what I did so they can repeat that. And then that stuff got kind of passed on and lost. You know? It's kind of just like, you know, a legacy yeah, sort of type it, of thing. It should You be. know, like someone who can, it, it really should, especially like in, in a sort of like hand me down sort of role, which I think any role is, I guess. Oh, hey. hey. Hi. What's up, man? Hey, everybody. Uh, Nico's here. In line with the question I was asking. You know, it's really hard to kind of continue a legacy in terms of like, it's not like a monarchy. You can't just grow up into a role and then continue it off of it, uh, based off of like somebody else. Like, I, I would assume that like you coming in as a like a new department head based off the last department head, there isn't much preparation, right? Like in terms of like, here, like, let me walk you through me as the old department head. Like, this is what I did. That's what, Whatever. yeah, and that's what you think would happen. And I was waiting for that for like two months. And then when he was like, hey, I got my, my book of things to give you. I'm like, yes, like guidance. He gave me a binder of mailing slips from Office Depot. That's it. Goodness. And like, I was like, okay, I already knew that I had to order supplies for the department, but that's not like a monthly thing. And these are things that were even preceding his time, like hella old shit. And I'm like, that doesn't tell me how to do my job. At the very least, like I was a shift lead at my college job. Again, business, right? There's a there's a instructions there. My boss told me these are the things you need to do. You need to train your subordinates. You need to run and manage the students. Here's your roles and responsibilities. And with this, it's like I get that there are certain things I have to do, like a general idea. I have to attend meetings. I have to plan department meetings. It's about it. Order some order some supplies. So I don't know. I've been making my own roles and responsibilities of, as i've mentioned in it's kind episodes. of like an in-house it's kind of like an in-house sort of thing like it was kind of similar when like i um when i entered like the hr like assistant role right when i like first entered the role this was under my old old supervisor where we were like really on top of not to say like any hr isn't on top of like their in office like supply this was when like when i was like fresh in the scene i was really on top of everything like I was ordering every everything that like everybody needed, whether it was like new pens, new notebooks, even like, you know, like we have like a, you know, in office, like curing thing, new cu- like K-cups, new 
like tea, all that stuff. Like I was really on top of asking everybody what they wanted after like a certain amount of weeks or whatever. So based off of like what you were saying, it kind of feels like that. Nico, based off of like, you know, you had to change the jobs. You worked for your family, which was, you know, kind of doing cleanup jobs or like carpet jobs, right? And then now you're working for Amazon, right? Yeah. So do you feel that there's a change of like your sort of, I guess, to, like job description or like job requirements, I guess, of what you need to do like while on the scene? Yeah, while you're at Amazon right now, right? Mm -hmm. Versus when you're working at, you know, you're working for your dad, right? Mm -hmm. What's the difference? Kind of like in a... No, I, I think I understand. So, I mean, because I'm working at Amazon now, it's really nice because for one, I'm making more money. Even though I did earn more working with my dad, I did get paid more like hourly. But because it's it's more of the like the consistent hours because I got a guaranteed... 40 with the other jobs i don't it really depends on what jobs they choose and the thing is with the other jobs like with my uncle and my my dad there's certain jobs that we can't take or there's jobs that we don't want to take because there's been times on jobs where like people have they've threatened like one of my coworkers was threatened with a gun because he came up oh. their property and but the thing is you know they were there to do the job so yeah mm -hmm. so with that job I mean, with any, I mean, in, in any situation, like something could go down, but yeah, you know, but like mostly with the jobs that I did with my, my dad and my uncle, it, anything could happen because we're going to people's houses. We're going to like places that are like super far from where I live. Majority of the jobs I do are like an hour's drive away. So the big difference is, is like stuff like that. Like I make more money. I may not have like that much free time anymore, but when I do, like I actually get to enjoy it. And I have a lot more freedom, in a sense, because I'm not always tied down to like, oh, what is what does my dad need or what does my uncle need? No, mm -hmm. now I'm just it's basically I'm just focusing on myself. So yeah, I like it though. It's nice. It's fun. That's good. I'm glad to hear that you like it. It also, it also keeps me in shape. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's because I have like really short term memory. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about jobs, and uh, you kind of asked Nico the. I can't really specify necessarily like pros and cons, well, but more I, like the differences I mean, between like, his, his jobs. I mean, like pri prior prior to that. Um, what was I asking? Hello. Ayo. What's going on? Ayo. So we're recording a podcast episode right now. Yeah, I'm also like really drunk. <laughs> so. Okay. Um. So what? What's the topic here? Are we just shooting the shit? Yeah, we're just shooting the we're shit. We're shooting the shit. <laughs> when I get home and shower, um, I'll hop in and see if you guys are doing it. All right, then. All right. Drive safe. Drive safe. Yep. Yeah, so you're weak. Question mark. So, like I said, I'm pretty chill. Just working. Uh, I did get to hang out with an old high school friend this uh, past Wednesday. He lives in Missouri, and he's, he texted me, like, on Monday saying, like, yo, I'm in town for the week. What day are you free, or what days are you free? And I told him, just Wednesday. But it also collided with other plans that I had with friends. That's when I went to uh, watch the Batman. It's a good movie. Very edgy. It's it fits the the Batman vibe. I'd recommend it if you if you guys haven't seen it yet. It's fucking long as shit though. Um. Yeah, it's like yeah, three hours, right? Hours. Yeah, it's like three hours. So, got to watch the Batman movie. Got to see him again. Got to hang out. Another thing that because of like me and that friend is like we were so we were very close growing up. Like we've known each other since like middle school and. 
partially throughout high school, and he'd always come over a lot. We were talking about graphics cards because he he we were also on the topic of money and how how he's like he went all out on his PC. I don't know why he's upgrading his graphics card, but he is, and he said he'll give me his old one, which oh? is in the thirty series. Oh, so better than what you have right now? <laughs> Three times better than what I have. Yeah, you know, you can't play certain... I mean, you can play certain games. I can play every... I'm pretty sure I can play every game. I just can't run it for too long. I probably can't even... <laughs> I'll be sitting on the menu. Yeah, yeah I mean, like... I mean, we've, we've had, like, plenty of calls where you're just like, Oh, I would love to play this game, but, like, my graphics card. Yeah, I'm like, damn. <laughs> I hate being the Debbie Downer, but... It's true. But, I mean, if it works out and I actually get his old one then i can probably play pretty much anything okay well on a on my day specifically tonight i um i went to dinner with my family right and my my dad found this place it's like a restaurant bar type place uh there was a live band i was vibing with like the entire group and we talked to them after guess what the main singer is the ceo of roland the you know like the people that make like instruments and everything like keyboards oh. and stuff like that it kind of resonated with like me and my dad because my dad like has Roland stuff. I I recognize Roland as a as a company because keyboards and everything. It was super sick. He's like a, a Long Beach native. He travels around the world. He and it, like out of all places, him and his, the people that he plays with only play at that one resto bar. Yeah. It was it was really cool, like really like networking with him and like the other people in his uh in his band. I got his email, like not just like well only because he didn't have his card. I brought out like the 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 business side of me, which is really really rare. Like I'm I'm not a networking person, which is really sad to hear as as a business major, because you would assume like every business major is like networking with like a bunch of people. It was really cool. My dad was there. Because it was a whole family, like, dinner thing. And my mom eventually came up. And my mom brought up, like, the whole hospital thing. So it was... It ended up turning, like, kind of into a sob story. But I, I told, like, a lot of my experiences as, like, a as a musician, as a singer. Or as, like, a sort of singer. Like, I... Like, choir and stuff like that. I um, I actually told about you, Nico. <laughs> I, I expelled a lot of my talented friends rather than... Yeah, to me, because like it's just like I, I'm just like whatever, you know, like I'm, yeah. But like I have a lot of friends, like such as you, such as Avery. Like I, 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 I gush about Avery all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, right? Come on now. My uh, my parents were very forward with them. Like, might just email like your entire like song list, so. <laughs> The CEO and like all of their their bandmates was like very like yeah show me like the songs that you know show me like your f people who produce like I would love to hear it <laughs> sort of like business things happen I like to push forward people of that sort of genre or like nature it's like it's not it's not me it's like it takes a talent it's or, like, the, it, or it, like you it reminds me of like when we all started uh doing Twitch we all put each other forward. We would all, yeah. and everyone, one person would start streaming and they finished, another person would start and then we'd raid them and you just pass on the viewers and we all like shouted out each other. Yeah, it's very much like that. 
Avery, like when I was staying at his place recently, he showed me like a sort of AR, VR sort of like card things. Oh, the ones that my like, brother made? Yeah, like, or like, yeah, digitized like his past photos and then turned them into basically like digital business cards. I told him, give me one that like can link me to like everything so that I can give them to like my past teachers because I've been gushing about you as a teacher to like my past teachers about all things you've been doing. I can't specifically pull up what I said to um, my AP English teacher, but like, yeah, they was like, dude, you've been doing really great. Like the, my teacher has a really, like really good connects. You aligned your teaching with his teaching. So you should, just, I just told you, I told him about you. So. <laughs> That's so nice of you, I Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really never that like, Aaron and I like try to record kind of something that's not like you know it doesn't include like the other cast members because like i it's not that like we're trying to exclude them because they offer so much insight mm -hmm. they offer like a different perspective that i'm being with avery for like five years i'm kind of really used to his perspective or like what he kind of has to offer in terms of an opinion having other people like say mario which mario is like the complete opposite of me complete opposite of me and we both acknowledge this. Like, we, we, like, sometimes fight about some stuff. And then me and Bryn, like, we're, we're very much, like, very different people. But we can agree on, like, a lot of things. Having those types of people is really good for a podcast. But then when you have people, like, say, like, me and Avery, who do agree on, like, 90% of things. But then because of uh, our backgrounds or whatever, like, we disagree on some stuff like it's like yeah we have those like conversations how's the music been nico it's rough i i have very bad writer's blog like i i actually have a project open now for a beat that i have that i have like full use of i i, I need to make something with this and it's a little it's, it's different from what i normally do because it's more upbeat but it's like uh it's something that drake would use mm -hmm. like that kind of beat rap would definitely fit over this but me not being a rapper, I'm just a singer. It's hard to write, but I'm figuring it out. I'm slowly, surely, but surely getting there. Not necessarily based off of, like what I've heard, because you like share a lot of your projects with like us, right? But like, what is I guess the genre or type of music that you tend to gravitate towards to in or like to to work on? Like when it comes to actually like making a song and singing and all that, it's mainly like it's kind of R and B. It's not like heavy R and B, but it but there's definitely elements of it there, mm -hmm. and then it's also mixed with like because I use like a lot of lo-fi stuff, and then every so often you'll hear like I like experimenting, so you and you guys know that, but I guess my main genre would probably be around R and B, so this one I guess would be more hip hop is what I'm trying, which is it's fun. The beat's nice. Yeah, some of your songs that you've uh, posted kind of mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like being I like being versatile and I like trying new genres out. So it's always fun to especially like when you're just experimenting. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's so fun. It's so fun. Kind of in the same light, Avery. I, I I've asked you this I guess similar question before. In terms of your curriculum, like do you teach your, your kids things that like are kind of out of your realm or like things that you wouldn't necessarily think when you first start 
going into teaching that you would teach? Yeah, I feel like kind of like what Nico was saying. I've felt that teaching is kind of like an art form. Not the, I mean, people will talk about the active. Like I've I've had a lot of mentors who are like specifically the act of teaching. Professors talk about it's very theatrical because what we know as teaching is just a person in the front of the room. It's a stage, if you would like to think of it that way. And you have an audience mm-hmm. of 35 to 300 people, depending on what level of education you're working with. And I was like, damn, never thought about it that way. And I think that's what's so tiring about teaching uh, because it's very performative at, at some points. Well, I got tired of that. So Aya's question, yo, what's good, man? We're recording. Oh, Shit, my bad. No, I mean it's it's perfectly fine. Like, hey, well, Marco's on the I, podcast. I Marco's on the podcast. You guys should not have used this channel. Bro. I mean, I know, but it was kind of just like okay. You know, it was very just like a. I like, just wanted to come and ask because I just got done with a long ass day at work. No, oh, I'll come and do it. No, like we just been okay. talking about work. <laughs> yeah, honestly, just like just, it's kind of just like a like a life like in a day in a life type of podcast episode oh, okay i mean it's not really a podcast episode but it's just like kind of like if we were to post something this is oh oh i gotta go it's your no i mean life. like i don't, I don't okay. want people knowing about my life <laughs> but i want to know about your life so <laughs> <laughs> y'all know about my life man the fuck but um i mean like if you if you want to sit in if you want to <sighs> like, i'm not i'm not forcing you to it's I just mean, kind of like I am. If you... <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, this is uh, for... macro.c. Um, check him out on Twitch. It's correct. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, for anybody listening, it's um, or very much like in my in my server. Like, it's very open server. So I'll post right here. Oh, no. um, we're just, you know, talking about life, talking about work, talking about school, talking about all that stuff. So um, if you want to talk about it, you know your your work stuff it's not really like i'm at anyone at work i love where i work i love the people i work with i actually think that it's like it's a i could see myself doing this for like a couple more years like i really mm-hmm. lo- enjoy the culture oh this job uh, it was just today it was just really bad because so we actually shifted our schedule recently to doing four 10-hour shifts a week instead of five eights right mm-hmm. fuck but anyway um four tens so yeah so basically we still get 40 hours a week but we get three days off now so- yeah my dumbass wants to work Fridays because I need extra money and I'll get OT pay for working Fridays. I thought today was just going to be such a, like an easy day, so chill, because the Friday shifts are supposed to be like eight hours only. So we're mm-hmm. going to get eight hours of, of OT. Yeah, I ended up working uh, over 12 hours today. Kind of crazy. Yeah, Damn, I got in day. at 7. I left at 7.30. Damn. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. It was just basically like it's just a bunch of shit like that normally happens. Basically, okay, so basically like this week we were trained on doing something else than our usual like job description like we are being cross-trained because the other shifts are behind on their shit so we're gonna help them out catch up we did a lot of, we basically did the new shit today and let's just say things weren't going well things weren't working properly as they should and it was just all over the place and so like my supervisors uh, and i'm not trying to shit talk them because they had shit planned like they already had like their own personal stuff to do so they already like let us know like ahead of time like yo we're leaving early. I already knew that going in that they were not gonna be there the full day and basically they left early and there was basically like three people left over to run a whole day's worth of shit again because things devices didn't work, downloaders didn't work, and yeah we had to run re- we had to run our whole shit back basically. So we had to do two days worth of work in twelve hours. 
And so, yeah. Oof. And then I just watched Batman after with my some of my coworkers that didn't come into work today, which is fun. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, chill day. I mean, it was like it was like it was honestly pretty chill. It was just really mind numbing and tedious. That's it. I mean, in, in your line of work, I would think that like every day is kind of like kind of like that. Well, um, you're not exactly wrong. I'm not gonna lie, you're not exactly wrong. But uh, it was just today was extra tedious because today was supposed to be eight hour shift. Usually, when I say eight hour shift, we get done in six hours. We leave early. But yeah, I mean, like in a lot of like full time jobs, it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. Like you don't you don't think like you're expected to work from like this time to this time, but then like in actuality. Like this is the time that you work. Mm-hmm. It it worked the opposite today. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. I'm so tired. Like I was actually just I wasn't even planning on like fucking talking to anyone tonight. I was literally just gonna get on, fucking get shit faced and just play Val or some shit. I don't know. Dude, Adventures. I'm I'm I, I'm dude. I'm actually really shit faced. Oh, uh, where's my I, alcohol? Uh... Sorry, where? <laughs> I need. Here's the thing. I didn't get to eat dinner, bro, because I fucking like it's like right I, when I dude, got off. I barely ate dinner tonight, dude. Yeah, right when I got up, me and one of my coworkers that was like went to the movies with them, we went straight to the movie theater. So, cause like we were, we had to meet everyone. We had to meet with everyone else because they bought our tickets. Uh, so, I mean, oh, yeah. so you like just finished it and got home? I literally just got back. <laughs> like I, I have not been home since six in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I've been I out all that. day, dude. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I guess chill. Just really, just annoying day. Hey, not mad at anyone. I'm just got through it. You're here. You're at home. You you can relax. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's the weekend, so you can just be like, yeah. You know, Thank God it's the weekend. Put yourself in a body bag and. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm either I'm actually really contemplating either getting shit faced and playing video games, or getting shit faced and. I'm down to get shit faced. Uh, I know you are. <laughs> Cheers. Give me a second to like. I need to like eat something too. Okay. All right. I'm actually super fucking hungry, and I I I want I do want to stay fucking like listen to this shit but i gotta go eat i'm so sorry no no no, dude i'm so sorry leave and come back whenever you want to it doesn't matter all right well have a good rest of your recording thanks for coming by um yeah well thanks for uh, i guess (laughs) having my rude interruption (laughs) yeah it's cool i'll I'll see y'all in a bit all right peace i got a simp last night oh yeah i i got there towards the uh, the tail end of that so I got a slight simp, not like, you know, Chloe simp where like they offered to buy mm. her stuff, but like, um, they were very much like asking about my life Damn. <laughs> and I was like hoping that out of them asking, it's like, can you give me a skin or not? Like, <laughs> buy me something. Anyways, back to what we yeah. were talking well, about. Yeah. I was talking about a teaching being an art form. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cool way to see it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate looking at it that way because, like, kind of like what you were talking about, Nico, I do experiment with a lot of stuff. Per Aya's question earlier, like, do I try different things? I think, like, my start to teaching was all about, hey, take what you know and throw it away <laughs> because what you think that you're about to do is not useful. Mm. And I was like, huh. Um, and that's, that's kind of why I, like, fell in love with my teaching program in the first place because one of the first courses I took um, when I changed majors, they were like, take the intro course, see how you like it. And I was like, oh, intro course, I'm like whatever. And the whole semester was just about challenging and reflecting on the way that maybe all three of us experienced high school. Pretty sure it was a similar experience, very like traditional and boring and didn't really fit the needs that we had as learners. Mm-hmm. And it really made me rethink like, wow, I actually had some shitty teachers. No wonder I didn't get that class or no wonder I didn't feel 
connected or represented because it didn't relate to me. And then I found a lot of importance in that uh, as I learned more about English and how English just didn't have to be about white people or and not just to make it like social justice, but like one of the first classes I took immigration and literature or something. And it kind of blew my mind because like we we had a whole unit on just like Asian Americans. I was like, whoa, this, this this is cool. I didn't know English could be about that and learning about Latinos crossing the border or learning about the like South African American migration and stuff. And like Saya's question, like when I started teaching, I actually still fell back into what was familiar. My first year, I was like, okay, I got to do vocab quizzes. I got to like teach grammar. I got to do, we have to read a book this way. And I structured a lot of things in the way that I remembered high school being, even though I just came out of an internship that challenged all of that. But everything that I learned from the internship, I couldn't do at the school I was at because the resources were all different. Nothing matched up. Everything I learned from my master teacher that was like that quote unquote art form I was talking about, I couldn't teach it. And I had to find my own way. And so these past like three to four years have been a lot of experimenting, which has been really fun. Kind of like what you were saying, Nico, I think that that's like the the beauty that I find in teaching is that I can always experiment and try something new. I can get exactly. feedback from the kids and see if they like it. And then if they don't, I'm like, okay, let's not do that. And they help me build the class, which is, I think, really fun. Yeah. I, and I feel like that the same thing could apply to music or cooking or just anything that's related to art because you get to like play almost. It's that experimentation that like really helps you because coming from the way you, you talk and coming from the way that I really like boosts you up, the way you teach and all that, like even, even though I, I, I have, I'm not going to ever have you as a teacher, just like the way that you are, the way that you present yourself, I feel like you're, you're a fucking amazing teacher. And like I, the way you carry yourself, the way you, you speak, the way you handle things, your mindset, it really shows a lot about people, even your body language. I agree, like completely with the way that like, you know, over the course of the past five or so years that we've been together, like I've heard the things that he's tried to teach like in his, uh, in his courses. And I think I like addressed this maybe in a question while we were on our trip, just like in my understanding of the curriculum that you've taught it very much strays away from the standard things that they teach in like you know english classes right grapes of wrath uh to kill a mockingbird to kill a mockingbird like all that stuff all general english classes talk about that uh great gatsby things like that right we like we as like students like me, me and nico have both experienced that and it's not fun at all there's no fun in it it's like oh <laughs> Like, and the thing is, we've, they've been doing the same stuff for so long yep. that, like, even the previous years will be like, oh, like, not, yeah. now we're going to be reading this book. Yeah. In my English class, when I was in high school, my English teacher was like, make sure you read the book of Great Gatsby, right? Because the, the movie had just come out that year. Right. And so, like, if you bring up anything during that movie, I will know. You know, like that sort of teacher thing. Mm. Your curriculum kind of does the 180 of that. You have expressed to me you don't like teaching that sort of curriculum. Like the basic like white curriculum. Have you ever tried? Or like what what has made you not like what made you deter away from that sort of curriculum? Yeah, um, I remember talking about this on our trip and it deterred me just because I think all three of us had similar experiences. In ninth grade, we might have read Romeo and Juliet. 
in tenth grade. <laughs> you know, some another Shakespeare book like I had to learn that in fucking fifth grade. Yeah, dude. like a, so fucking a, annoying. Othello, King Lear. Yeah, Great Gatsby Jr., To Kill a Mockingbird. Like the books are all the same. And the really sad part is that I can't. My dad grew up in Hawaii, but after, he was born around the time Hawaii became part of the United States, and so he went through an American education system. And I can tell him those same titles, and he will also say, "Oh yeah, I read those too." My dad's like in his sixties. <laughs> And it's they just change exactly nothing has changed. There's a saying in like teaching where they're like, if you take, I don't know, Thomas Edison and we put him in the 21st century and he's just going to be mind blown with how electricity has changed. He's an electricity dude, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just how technology has transformed. But you take him to a school and he's going to be like, oh, this looks familiar. Bro, this dude's been dead forever. But that, that's hella true, right? Like if you take someone from the past and you put them in a school, it's still the same. I would agree. Just because it keeps coming up in like my Instagram al- algorithm for some reason. There is this teacher who has done like TED Talks and like whatever. She taught like a, I think it was like Cabrillo or like some place that was like really ghetto, right? Not to say like Cabrillo is like ghetto, but like I'm from Long Beach, so I can kind of I can kind of say that. She taught like a like a group of students who like were very much like they were not gonna graduate. But then she taught, like, the diary of Anne Frank. And then this one girl who was from the gang life, she connected it so well. Like, she was actually angry that, like, Anne Frank at the end of the, at the, end of the book died. She was expecting, like, Anne Frank to live because she was such a good person about, like, all the things that she read, like, that read in her, like, you know, diary and, like, the, you know, the biographies and everything expecting her to live but she didn't and so she was angry and like took it out on didn't take it out on her uh her teacher but was like she asked her teacher like why did you tell me that like she died and like she actually based off of that book turned her whole life around i'm i'm not questioning why you're why are you teaching the things that you do in your curriculum because if anything we should be teaching the things that you do teach in your curriculum all the things that have to do with like actually modern racism you know anything that happens within our country that happens to uh people of color minorities all that stuff but what does that say towards the people who do connect with white forward stories say like diary frank because it does have to do with people who are white but i mean like but they are people who have suffered so much why don't you teach those things that can sort of connect with people that you do people that you teach now yeah, no, I get, I get what you're Cloud. saying because it's like if you leave that stuff behind, then no one's going to know about it. The one thing is, is like these things have been taught for decades. Someone's actually probably going to encounter the diary of Anne Frank in college anyways because some professor is going to teach it if they decide to go to higher education. I think it's the job of a teacher to bridge both of those things. Not every teacher believes that. And that's kind of where I come in. Your question was like, why don't I teach some of the older stuff? Well, yeah, I'm definitely jaded by it. I don't see the value in it, but there is value in it. What I try to do is I try to bridge the two things. So when I was student teaching, and if I teach ninth grade, I'm probably going to do this again because it was really fun. I would still teach Romeo and Juliet. It's a hard book to read in the old English, but you can find there's different ways to spin the story. I believe that you have to help the kids make a connection. You have to help them think critically in order to understand the story. Because of course, when you open a Shakespeare book, you're like, bro, this is boring. I don't even know how to read this shit because it's old English. You have to learn old English first just to read the goddamn story. It's so dumb. Like my master teacher, she plays this documentary. There's this guy named Dante Clark. He grew up in Richmond, California. Uh, It's like a documentary that's called Romeo's Bleeding. And so 
he comes out of like gang violence in Richmond and there's like a whole turf war going on. And he, what he does is he tries to bring the youth together to get them off the streets and he teaches them Romeo and Juliet, but he teaches them Romeo and Juliet through the turf war because that's what it's about, right? It's two different kingdoms trying to fight over each other. There are star-crossed lovers, which is the main theme of the story. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of like, you know, like the 1992, right? It's, there, Similar. There's a lot of yeah, like, and yeah. you could even link into that too. Like, well, like when we when we watched, um, it's not me saying the word. I'm just what it what it was called, like the the, the film it's called Gook. It it's very much like a film you everyone should watch. But it's how I'm interpreting of what Avery is saying. It's there are a lot of similarities of that film. Yeah, and it's making that bridge between the things that are old that we can't necessarily connect to anymore because they are old philosophies and beliefs to something that's relevant because now kids can look at Romeo and Juliet in a different way like oh kind of is like a turf war one of the books that I teach now called The Hate You Give many people might have seen the film the person that's playing the girl is the girl in Hunger Games Rue and in the book uh, it is about police brutality and gang violence and the father in the story tells the daughter like because the daughter's like super in the protagonist she's super into Harry Potter and the dad's like Man, Harry Potter's just about gang shit. It's all about gang bane. And she's like, Dad, you're just fucking stupid. He's like, no, like, for real. They got different houses. They got different colors. Like, it's a gang. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because there's like, a whole section in the book about that and how the dad being uneducated and used to be, like, the head of the gang and all that stuff. Uh, he's just like, no, Harry Potter's about gangs. And he, like, talks about a whole analogy about it. It's, it's pretty cool. And I think that is a good metaphor to how I see education should be. In the, when I was teaching ninth grade, uh, I think a lot of ninth graders read Animal Farm, and it's basically a metaphor for like the Cold War, Russian War era. It's about communism. Yeah. But it's about how animals and like pigs try to say like all animals are equal, but some aren't. And I, I'm pretty sure like <laughs> everybody who who watched the the film during that oh, I like hate that film that that period like whenever when like the horse goes to the glue farm. Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I cried, dude. I cried. Yeah. that That's the thing about... That's, you know, at the time that the book was written, it's a very beautiful book in the sense of its symbols and metaphors and allegories to what was going on in the world. And I didn't want to teach it just because when I had to experience it in high school, I was like, this doesn't make sense. But I didn't understand the implications and connections that it was supposed to help me understand how bad communism was for the world and what maybe Russia or whatever country was involved. And when I taught it to the students, they actually really enjoyed the book because we made connections to our presidency at the time. We were talking about Trump and we were talking about how they saw similarities between what was happening in the global economy or whatever. That made me see like, okay, maybe it's not so bad to teach traditional texts. The key is relevancy. If you can make, if you can teach a kid how to think and also make it relevant to them, then you win essentially it's it's kind of like um a lot of kids like nowadays like with with like tiktok and like twitter and everything they don't know who like past like past like pop stars are right like a lot of people don't know who like you know like a lot of kids don't know who like miley cyrus is a lot of people like don't know like our like the people that defined kind of like our generation and or like how we saw disney channel or like whatever but then they kind of act in the same way of like these people and she's like 
how can you not see how you're kind of reflecting like generations it's just like how do you i I don't know how to explain this but are you saying like they're kind of like turned off from the traditional stuff because they just don't know yeah it's kind of like the uh the ignorance i guess yeah if that makes sense and i guess that's i feel like that's where the role of the teacher comes in to inform them and again like making that stuff relevant like having that information accessible and that's something that i enjoy about like the classes i teach right now because before, I was like, I don't want to get historical in my class. Like, it's not a history class. But knowing that context helps you better understand the book. And the funny part is, like, in a lot of assignments, say, from, like, my 11th graders right now that I'm getting, I'm teaching them all stuff from, like, college books about, like, feminism, gender, and sexuality, or naturalism. Uh, a lot of critical thinking things. And the funny part is, is they're actually applying that to their A-push classes and their U.S. history classes. And they write it in my assignment. Yeah. Or vice versa. They're like, yeah. we'll be talking about um, something called post-colonial theory, which is what I'm teaching. And the kids are like, oh, in my other class, we just talked about the Nazis. And I kind of kind of see how understanding the effects of colonization determines yeah, how, like, you know, like they're making the connections. I guess for me and Nico are not like too far apart in a, like our high school like careers, right? In a general sense, how do you feel your english or like history curriculum was different from what you think avery is teaching right now which is like a lot of modern racism socialism things that have to do with what are happening now there were definitely like when i was in high school especially in like english and stuff there were definitely hints of like they didn't really focus mainly on that stuff but they would work modern problems into what we were learning which i liked because obviously they're acknowledging the fact that the world is fucked and they're not turning a blind eye and like having you focus on whatever story we're reading whatever we're doing whatever we're reviewing whatever that i like that but i think mainly most of my english teachers they did just focus on like teaching like the same stuff it's always the same stuff it's always the same books like great gatsby like grapes of wrath yeah like, Take a mockingbird, like all, all, yeah, all that stuff. All that we we read all that, and then they would every so often they would do like something different. Specifically, this one teacher, I think I had her for English three. She was really cool. She was very aggressive, but like in my eyes, I kind of liked it because it was like part of her charm. Like as a teacher, like it, she was very like very firm with how she taught. She's very confident in that in the way she taught, which is I admired that as well. So I actually remember. I forget what's the story, but it's about the about like the boy who went to Nazi Germany and he like how his experiences in the train. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was, it was about oh the, my god, I yeah yeah it was that story. And I remember one day we came in and we noticed that the desks were like arranged into like a a small rectangle. And as soon as we got into class, she started yelling at us, and she's like, it was funny because like we didn't expect it, so it. She basically wanted us to experience what it was like being shoved into a, a train cart full of just people standing and you can't do anything about it. Oh so, my god. Really? Yeah, she did that. But the thing is, I mean, we all found it funny. We all found it kind of cool because, I mean, to me, I, I really like, I like thinking. I like putting myself into perspective. I like, I like having different perspectives. Right. We're just, it was very uncomfortable. There were hands going where hands shouldn't be. So I was covering up. Everybody was covering up. But we were very, very much smushed in. 
obviously it's not the same thing, but I like that interactive part of what she did. I like that she's like, oh, like maybe if I do this, they can understand and they can get a sense of the story a little bit more. They can dwell into it more. Anyway. I I kind of agree in the sense that like it gives you a different perspective of what the people that had to go through it. It was such a weird way to do it. Yeah, no, exactly, right? Just, don't, don't get me wrong. It was such a weird way. Yeah. I, had, I had an AP class, and it was an AP psych class, and we had to go through, what is that one prison experiment? Was it like college students or like some pe random people who didn't have to go through like, you know, the, the, the prison system? They were given the role of... Oh, they switched roles of the... Yeah, the, they... Like the parole and the prisoner yeah and then like the people who were given the parole officer like role they like suddenly got like a big you know ego like, boost or something like that. Yeah, yeah ego boost like they, they, they were yeah obsessed with power there you go like they had like a power sort of thing that happened to them and yeah power trip there you go they were like abusing like the the people that were the prisoners i remember having to go through that that video like the the old video of like the actual people who had to go through it. Oh, I think I saw that. I had to see it in my AP Psych class, and I had to leave. I couldn't. I couldn't watch through it. Like I, uh, me personally as a person, I like I couldn't. Like it's just like at the time, like I it hit too close to home for some reason. Especially like uh, I've talked about like my you know with with you guys and like on this podcast about my you know my relationships and like. The things that had to go through, you know, like generally what had to go through them, and saying that I was like, I had, I had to step out of the room. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit through it. While I learned a lot through a lot of, you know, my teachers and professors, both in high school and like in college and everything, there are too many times where teachers just decide that I will show this one thing or I will teach this one thing, no matter what the cost. Kind of like mm -hmm. I, this is for their own benefit. They need to learn. Like, despite their feelings towards it. Yes. No matter what, I will show them this. Because yeah. they need to know. And while in the long run, yes, I did learn a, sur a, a perspective of what had to go. Like, I'm not that per. The thing is, like, I'm not that person. I didn't go through all of that, right? Whether it is the Second World War, the First World War, internment camps, I didn't go through that. So how can I truly... Be the person that can put myself as a student, a high school student, put myself through that and yeah. learn and take something like coming out of that one session of a classroom. Be like, okay, learn something. So forgive me, Avery, while I like have the utmost respect of what you do in a classroom. I like, I, I have such a like a disingenuous like trust of like teachers. How do I know they're not just going to show me something really traumatizing and be like, well, you got to learn from that. I watch a lot of like creepy stuff, a lot of like things that have to do with the past. I'm pretty sure like a, like in a lot of in our like friend group are like, are like that, right? Like we, we watch, we listen to like creepypastas or like read creepypastas. We listen to like audiobooks of like whatever, but like when you have to be put that, when you have to be put through that as like a 13 14 year old and you don't necessarily have a choice it's it's hard to see the the meaning when you're that age versus when you're like my age where it's like okay i understand yeah 
And that's why there's like a there's a difference between trauma informed teaching and teaching using trauma. Both of you had two very different experiences, right? And I'm sure maybe even Nico's class, there are kids who might have felt the same way about what that I have felt with the the social experiment, if you will. Or they're just like, I really didn't like that. I hate this class now. <laughs> um, or I like you couldn't handle it. You walked out of class and there are some kids who could stomach it and they sat through it and they had that enlightenment thing that the teacher was trying to give them. And I learned a lot about that like in grad school and why that's not necessarily a good thing. Though at the time, like, yes, it, it was probably a new wave of teaching method where people were like, hey, like if we can get students to like experience it in a pseudo hypothetical situation, they're going to better understand slavery. And it's like, or you no, just, could, yeah, you know, or it could be a bad thing. Like <laughs> the fact that you took all your kids to a cotton field to pick cotton and the one black kid in the class is now traumatized because you took him to a cotton field and you thought it was going to be fun. That probably wasn't the best thing to do. And so there are different experiments throughout the course of education. One very famous one is um, the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment. If you've ever heard her name before, it's this lady, Jane Elliott. And so this is like, she's uh, hella old now, but she's like a super staple in like anti-racist teaching. And so when Martin Luther King was assassinated, she did this lesson with white kids because that's what she was teaching at the time, like five-year-old white kids. And she told the kids one day that blue-eyed kids are smarter, better, just like everything, and brown-eyed kids aren't. You guys are stupid, you're dumb, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then she let them off for the day. The day goes by. In the playground, blue-eyed kids are bullying the brown-eyed kids. Next day comes. You say, actually, I lied. Brown-eyed kids are actually the better ones, and blue-eyed kids are the ones that are stupid, blah, blah, whatever. And then the roles flipped, just like that uh, prison experiment that you're talking about, Aya. And these are just little kids. And Jane Elliott has done this experiment with colleges, adults, high school kids, so on and so forth, to prove a point about MLK's assassination that we shouldn't be racist, <laughs> basically. Of course, that's a less traumatizing experience than what you two might have gone through. But there's a lot of history teachers that do that, right? They set up scenarios. Maybe it's like an economic one, like an economics class. And they're like, okay, here are your resources. And then Obviously, they probably rig it in a way where one group is going to have all the resources and the others don't, and they make the, the small group feel really oppressed and small and really shitty. Yeah, that isn't necessarily the best way to teach. It was probably a good, not a good, maybe it was a wave of teaching where people were like, yeah, if we get kids to experience something, then therefore they will learn. I don't know if you remember, there was a point uh, in like high schools where they did those like DUI drunk driving things, and like some schools would like hire those really theatrical things and crash cars and stuff. Yeah. You remember how they we talked about this? We talked about this with, with Bryn mm -hmm. and like, remember? and like they have those, like at a time when YouTube was popping off with videos, like they had those like recorded It's very traumatic seeing the actors, like basically be dead though. It was theatrics. It still was like, yeah. it, even watching the videos on YouTube, I was traumatized and I can't imagine so, the schools that actually went through it. Cause I remember Lala talked about it. Uh, yeah. So it happened at her um, high school. As as someone who's right here, like you, you're with it. So, do you have a experience with that, Nico? Yeah. So, th this happened at my school twice during high when I was during my high school years. It it happened twice. Um, it's I can't remember what the. I think it was like every fifteen minutes, something like that. But basically, they would have they had like pick like a cast of like students throughout the the school different like grades like freshmen throughout through senior and through that week while they would be like recording all the stuff and setting and then you know obviously the Fridays where they do the presentation in front of everybody throughout the week they'll be like they'll have like gravestones 
of people who are quote-unquote dead i think what really fucked me up about that wasn't the i mean don't get me wrong like obviously car crashes are traumatic i've been in one even i've even knocked over like an electric pole and it almost fell on the car like i've i've been in a car crash and what really fucked me up at the time was the person i was dating was one of the people that were selected to be quote-unquote dead so i had no contact with her and having to go to, to high school to, and see her quote-unquote grave, me being the imaginative person I am, it really fucks me up. I, I get way into my head all the time. And then, you know, you'd see, and then you'd, we'd watch the presentation, and then you'd see them injured and, or, like, dead. And, like, it, it, it fucked me up. And I, that's happened, it happened twice at my school where they did... It was two separate years. I think it was like my senior year and then like my sophomore year. So yeah, I have experience with that DUI dramatization thing, and it really it messed me up. Yeah, like that's why like I don't like approaching teaching in that way. Kind of like what we were saying earlier. I'm someone who likes to think and be taught different perspectives. Though the books that I teach have very like trauma-informed narratives for example one of the books i teach is called internment and it's basically like fictional dystopian world if trump or another person got elected xenophobic and they decided to round up all the muslims across the u.s and put them in the same camp that the japanese were in and the story follows a high school senior and it takes place in like now the 2020s pretty much the the difference i guess you could say with versus like the the Japanese comparison, and again, why I teach historical context and thinking, is because I want students to think about what you learned about the Japanese internment camps and what's happening to the characters in the story. Muslims aren't all Middle Eastern people. They're all people of color. <laughs> so you can imagine the characters in this story are also African American, Southeast Asian, Middle, Middle Eastern Asian, whatever. Yeah. Um, and kids love the book. But in no way, shape, or form am I going to make an internment activity <laughs> and, like, you know, isolate them in the classroom or do something traumatizing just so they can get the theme of the book. Like, I can just it's, talk to them about it and have a conversation. It, it's, like, so weird that you say that because, like, in even, like, a lot of college courses, they do that, right? Or, like, not even, like, do that, but they teach curriculum that's kind of in that same mindset. Because um, in my ethics class in, in college... We were taught, it was basically run by this Jewish forward class. We were taught this book. Basically, like, it was during that time where, like, Nazis and, like, Jewish people were, like, at war. This Jewish person escaped internment camp, got to this hospital, and came across this person who was basically a Nazi on his deathbed. And the Nazi on his deathbed was like, let me tell you, let me tell you my story. Can you basically like the question at the end of the book was like, can you determine am I like, can can you forgive me or not for all of the sh atrocious shit that I have done in my career? And I still have the book. It's it's like in my shelf and everything. At the end, it's a very an open end question. And a lot of researchers and like people who read the book and like people who are actually within that sort of genre give their opinion. I personally don't know what to think of it. Yes, me as a person, me hearing someone on their deathbed and they're grieving about the things that they've done, I can't help but feel I have to hear them out. But then I can't 
put myself into the position as the person who escaped the internment camps as a Jewish person to be like, I forgive you for all the things that you've done because you are dying. Oh, hi. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. I think right before all of that, we were talking about like, how can you teach this sort of curriculum to a group of students, like as a, as a teaching method? Yeah, we were kind of talking about like traumas we've had in the classroom. I don't know if you've ever like, you remember like back in the day when they did those DUI things and they would like do those car crash things? Yeah. Okay. You remember that? That's kind of what we were getting yeah. at. Like Nico and Aya shared some experiences where there was like social experiments in a class and it kind of made them uncomfortable, though it was effective for some for say like Aya, it wasn't. And I'm talking about how like I try not to do that because it's traumatizing, you know, like it, it didn't doesn't work for everybody but that there's a fine line between trauma-informed teaching and teaching with trauma why i brought up the the book that she was talking about was because one of the books i teach it's titled internment and it's a youth novel following a protagonist who uh dystopian post-trump era another republican like trump comes president and they decide to round up all the muslims in the country and put them in the same camps that the japanese were in and uh but what I do is like I'm teaching historical context, like critical thinking to get kids thinking about why is this wrong and why should we avoid things like racism and xenophobia and all that. And I guess the question for you would be, have you had any experiences that I guess were traumatizing in high school, maybe related to that? Or and like, what's your opinion, I guess, on teaching with trauma versus in, uh, trauma informed teaching? That's a great question. To be honest, I would say that, like, if you want to talk about things that traumatize me i can't say that i embrace being told things that i know is going to probably stay with me for the rest of my life i i i believe that trauma can affect somebody psychologically negatively wrong or it could make them progress it depends on which path they choose to take me personally if anybody told me about like the real shit that went down in like in my country like in El Salvador, me just learning this shit in high school they don't teach you about the latin american they don't, they don't teach you about latin america because not really an important curriculum because it has nothing to do with the u.s anything anything historically important that relates to the u.s's like involvement i'm gonna learn it so obviously i didn't get to know much about my country and to be honest i wanted to know more about my country i was just upset that i didn't get to learn about me Obviously, we know about the Mexicans. Could have been French if they didn't win against that war. There's that. At least I know that. So, you know, I could have been part French for all I know. But when it came down to high school, I guess when people, like the DUI thing, I, I know the people that participated in it, some of them meant well, some of them didn't. Like You can tell in their demeanor when they presented it that, uh, I mean, obviously you got hundreds of kids that you know, you probably got a girl in there that thinks this is like cute and all like, oh my God, like cares so much. In reality, like after that presentation's over, yeah, we're going to talk about how that shit was crazy. Some people may even take it like I'm never drinking and driving ever in my life. Like if you ever see me behind the wheel after I've had a couple drinks, like get me out of there. Some people are just going to look at and be like, that's not going to be me. Why should I care? And so that mixture of the two groups is going to cause people to like be really paranoid. Like, oh my God, there's people out there that don't give a fuck if they're drinking and driving. And so to be honest, it, it could fuck a kid up before it even happens. Like, as you said, Avery, because like you can teach someone that death is eminent if you engage in such activity that's going to lead to it. 
And yeah, so then it, you got the kid thinking like, oh shit, like could die. Like, you know, the, the kid starts, you know, they go a little crazy. Some it, people have it's, it's very much like, I think as a teacher, I would be like, I, I think as I am now, super mindful or like overthinking. Yeah, let's, let's go with everything. Idea. Is, this, is this like what I should be like putting out to other people? And while it is like a very like real thing that happens to like everybody, is this what I should be giving out to like other other kids who are like maybe not barely like experiencing these things? I think as me, I've gone through so much shit, right? Too much shit that I don't want, I wouldn't want other people to experience at all. Would I want that to be like within, not necessarily like my teaching method, but like something that could be implied within all that, I guess? Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when I teach, and this is why I think teaching is like an art form, because how do, you, like, per your question, like, how do you go about thinking about that? And I can't say my way is right, but I think it's important to, before I even get to the book that has traumatizing things, to teach about trauma first. Let's read about trauma, let's learn about what it is. In the same way with one of the other books, The Hate You Give, about police brutality, in the second chapter, on like the 11th page, somebody gets shot and dies by the police. It's a super, it's literally like a three page chapter. It's super traumatic. And before I even teach the book, I have like hella lessons talking about police brutality, the stats on black and brown people. What is stop and frisk? What is discrimination? What are forms of oppression? What is systematic oppression? What is systemic racism? And we have like a That's full so conversation. Good. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm front loading all this information so that when we read a book, we're informed. And I still warn the kids, like, you know, trigger warning, right? Because it's like, this is what we're getting into. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then like, you know, let me know or we can talk about it. And, and that's what I, the, the art form aspect of this is like, I don't know, maybe because I view the world as like a puzzle. How can I make those things easier? How can I lighten the load, but also inform you and, and leave you thinking like, or not leave you thinking, but uh, leave you, teach you how to think, I guess. Think critically. Of so as like people who aren't within your curriculum or people who don't know your like line of thinking or people who are even teachers when it does come to that point of like i want to teach something kind of traumatic what's your line of thinking hi what's up seth hello we are uh recording something oh so um but welcome feel free to, to the podcast i mean <laughs> yeah welcome to the podcast welcome oh so like i said like, when it does come to that sort of, like, those traumatic stuff, that could be traumatic for, like, literally anybody. You as a teacher, what, like, what's your approach or, like, your line of thinking before presenting it? Yeah, like I just said, all the front-loading stuff to have a conversation about what it, the, the concepts or the themes in the book first. And that's why, like, a lot of what I do is, like, I'll teach about the forms of oppression through Avatar. Let's talk about genocide because that show is all about genocide. Let me use Full Metal Alchemist to talk about how, uh, what's the word, like sub-oppression, where people who are oppressed try to justify their murder upon another group of people because they think it's justified. Like, you committed genocide to my people, so therefore I'm going to kill more people. And that's what happens in anime, right? And, like, teaching these concepts first, making sure kids understand what that means before we jump into the book. And if a parent comes at me, which none have yet, if, if anything, I've had more praise from parents telling me, like, I'm so glad that you're talking about police brutality because I want my kid to know about those things. And I'm like, oh, 
wow. <laughs> um, well, thank you. And then there's also, I've told you guys before, there's that other parent who was just like, what you're teaching is not English because you're not teaching of mice and men and the grapes of wrath to kill a mockingbird <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, this, that's not what I want my uh, Salem witch trials and all that stuff. I guess my question is, a student does tell you like, hey, I am really uncomfortable with what you're about to teach because you do prep, like, as you said, you do, you do preface it. What do you do? Do you just go forward with it? Or do you like talk about the specific student? Do you talk with a specific student? Like why I'm going to teach it? It feels like super like inter interrogative, but like, do you, do you just like, do you just kind of like forego whatever someone says and just teach it anyway? In, in part, <laughs> yes. Like it's like, I already told you this was coming back in August. You read the syllabus, you kind of agreed to it. So heads up, like, but at the same time, like if they're feeling comfortable, yeah. Like I, this is the first year of teaching where I've done, I've checked in with my students at least five or six times, one-on-one, -on -one, every single student this whole year. Um, I've spent like class time where I'm like, all right, uh, you guys have your lessons because I do everything through video. And, like, and I'm going to check in with each of you one-on-one. -on -one. Let's talk. Even when a kid does feel uncomfortable, like, hey, can I just talk to you real quick? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, and I don't have to pause the lesson anymore because like I said, I'm not teaching in front of the room. I'm not performing like it's a theater anymore. Um, so I can talk to, the, talk to the students. What are they feeling? Why are they feeling it? And then if they're, if at the end of the day, they're still like, I don't want to read this book. Okay, then let's come up with a different plan. Let's find something else for you to read and I'll make a different plan. That's my job. I believe that is my job as a teacher. Not every teacher is going to do that. A lot of people would question, you're going to go out of your way for that one kid. You're going to let everyone else read a different book and then you're going to make a different separate plan for that book. Yes, I work at a public school. That's our job. Go work at a private school if that's not what you wanted to do. Because we're trained okay. to work with special education children, English learners, immigrants. You didn't come here to, to teach the 1%. If that's what you wanted to do and ignore their feelings, go to a private school. That was uh, my follow-up question. Like, my follow-up question is basically, like, what if that student didn't want to, like, actually admit that, like, they were really uncomfortable, but because it had to be because of, like, syllabus or, like, the curriculum or, like, everybody else wanted to do it, they just went along with it? Your answer kind of answered that, you know, as a teacher should be catering towards the public. Me personally, as like a as a teacher, I believe this will serve a greater purpose if a parent or teacher or someone says something else against that. Like, yeah, I mean, you guys know me and it's in my teaching, too. Like, I have a rationale for everything <laughs> as annoying as that can be. And I learned that because a lot of programs that I've been through people of color will always get checked for credibility and the reason you're doing things. You're always going to get questioned. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll always have my reasons. And if you don't agree with it, well, I already, this is what I have. So not necessarily take it or leave it, but if you don't like it, then we can come up with something else that works better for your child. And again, not every teacher is going to do that. Um, I think I'm one of the few teachers that actually do, uh, not putting myself on a pedestal. There are a lot of, I think that's the new wave of teachers, to be completely honest. More people that are understanding or caring and willing to adapt to the needs of the student. Student-centered learning. Like, it's not about the adult in the room anymore. <laughs> it's a, it shouldn't have been in the first place. Teaching or learning is about the student. They're the ones that are getting something out of this. I'm not getting a grade anymore. I mean, you I mean, just hit the spot. I mean, every teacher is different. Yeah. You can't really judge one pea in the pod. So if Avery does something different, there's always going to be one or two people that don't like it. Other teachers will do something else. One or two people are not going to like it. Bottom line is, you can't please everyone. You're just doing the best that you can to fulfill your job. 
Yeah. And I kind of like what you said earlier, Mario, where it's like, I wish we had the opportunity to learn about like Latin America. Cause it's like, when you look at, and this is why I teach American lit the way that I do. Cause it's like, it's American lit. It's not just the United States. Like I'm teaching stuff about undocumented immigrants and teaching stuff about border stories and everything. And it's like the American should encompass everything, but in a canonical sense, it only covers the U S and the stories that we've all read in high school. And that's not fair. And I don't know why I keep coming back to this. I think I just really liked when we were talking about it earlier, but that's why I believe like teaching is an art form. It's fun to find different ways to help students learn and feel identified in the classroom because we didn't get that. And I want students to have that. A big proponent of what I do is like, I wish I had a teacher like me and I try to be the teacher that I never had. I, I think the, the experimentation question you asked earlier, I like, do I experiment with my teaching? Like, yes, I think that's the best part of it because it challenges me to keep growing. I think that's the biggest thing because I have a anxiety that it'll happen, but one day I'm definitely going to be outdated. I'm already pretty outdated as it is <laughs> when it comes to like meme culture or whatever, anything online. But like once my teaching becomes relevant, I personally believe I shouldn't be teaching anymore. A lot of teachers don't believe that. They're just like, I'm going to be teaching forever. And it's like, yo, you're still teaching some old ass shit. You shouldn't be in the classroom anymore. It's not relevant. Change what you're doing. And it's not wrong to teach those old texts, like I was saying earlier. Like if I'm going to teach Romeo and Juliet, I am going to use that documentary I was talking about. And earlier I mentioned it, Mario. Um, but I think this is important in any art form, whether it's writing lyrics, making beats, cooking food, teaching. Like you should be able to incorporate all things because that's life. Life isn't so one tracked and singled out, you know, like, and the same thing when, when we think about the way we stream, we're all variety streamers. We all do different things. Like if you stick with one thing and you don't connect with your audience the same way that you don't connect with your students, it's not going to hit. How are you doing, Mario? How's your week? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Just how have you been? Because like the last time we recorded was uh, January. Your birthday passed, my birthday passed. <laughs> Hellish shit's happened. That's true. TLDR for, I guess, all the viewers that made it this far in the podcast episode. Uh, congratulations for getting this far. Um, <laughs> uh, so, TLDR is that I have started school. I am doing accounting classes. I am doing it in community college. Uh, various community colleges, as a matter of fact. Um, and the reason why I'm taking it up in terms of my accounting career is because I landed a job in accounting did four months of it liked it a lot was recommended to get certified and become a cpa so that's the stepping stones that i'm taking because i've already opened doors so now i'm just kind of pursuing something that is now out of my personal interest and it has felt very very great because i'm at a point in my life where i'm able to self expense in my own personal belongings such as being able to pay for my own car my own phone, my own schooling, my own textbooks, anything that I need, I can supply it for myself. I no longer need the assistance of my family. And it's even better when I'm able to even get grant money with the school system to be able Let's to go. continue doing that. Yeah. So even though I'm not like making any passive income at the moment, the only income I'm really getting is if I want to sell something in my room. But in terms of my schooling, I've been well. I mean, it's been two months into the semester. Various assignments, quizzes, midterms have passed. I still have straight A's. Not saying that it's easy, but I mean, I'm actually have putting a different work ethic into these classes than I would normally do back when I was an undergrad in San Francisco. 
Not saying that I didn't try at San Francisco, but I felt like there was a little bit of a push that wasn't there when it came to finishing my courses because I was already kind of in the burnout. But now doing something fresh, doing something like out of my own interest, out of my own time, out of everything that I could be doing in life, I want to pursue something because this is something I want to do. And I find a lot of liking to it. And it doesn't feel like it's a drag. I feel like if I participated in going to class and getting an education, I should at least be like happy about it. It makes no sense to be getting myself involved in something that I don't even want to be a part of. So being able to be able to do all that and still feel like I don't need to feel dependent on outside factors, been feeling kind of great. But outside of school, I mean, my birthday passed. That was fun. Did a little birthday stream with the homies. The rest of it has just been working out, making plans for future trips, and uh, also family-related stuff. Most likely, I'd rather talk about off-recording. But other than that, that's just kind of how life has been. That's dope, dude. Because like I remember we were talking about that. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the biggest thing about, I guess, post, post-grad school type of thing. It's like you actually want to learn or you, you made the conscious decision yourself. Like, and then also like, you're just like super happy. It's like, wow, I actually like this a lot. And it's a super rare feeling because, you know, when we're in it back in like our early or I guess late teens at that point, it's just like, you're just following a system, right? You're just going to school to go to school almost kind of thing. But now it's like, you made the decision as an adult to be like, nah, like I want this. And even though, and it's so far off from maybe you could say like a personality perspective, it's like shocking that, oh my God, I have a passion for this shit. Like, I could do my own taxes. <laughs> do, like, do my taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, probably do your taxes. <laughs> I probably do all your taxes, to be honest, by the time I'm done with this stuff. Speaking of tax season, okay, so I already paid off my taxes. So for those who don't know, the contract job that I was working a part of was for an LLC and they worked under a 1099. So if you don't know what a 1099 is, I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with a W-2 when it comes to working for a part-time position or full-time within, you know, general retailers slash food industries. Pretty much general jobs, you're just used to getting a W-2 because that's how most companies run. Unless it's a private institution, you're running something different. For this contract job, a 1099 means that I don't get taxed on my checks, which is like, awesome. Where does that tax money go? Oh, into your taxes. <laughs> so <laughs> if you don't get taxed for your checks, it means you got to pay all the tax money the day you got to pay them. So obviously for me, that's like kind of a win and a loss at the same time because I'm not getting anything taken from me, but it's also being taken from me at the end of the day. Luckily for me, I was given the choice to write off my taxes because of course, I'm practically an LLC. So because of that, I was able to write off half of what I expected to pay. I was, I'm telling you, I was expecting to pay about 4K in taxes. That was going to come out of my ass. God damn. And luckily, God forbid, if I didn't buy a computer and other electronic devices, I probably would have spent $4,000 on taxes. But luckily, I was able to write off all that shit. And it was it's mind-blowing because I'm just like, oh my God, this is how taxes work? I like it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I didn't get that type of information beforehand, I would have been a dumbass and fucking forked over hella money to the IRS. Please don't fucking come to my house and take my family's house. But anyway, <laughs> like you learn some things that are within like tax and audit. And you're just like, wow, if you just know things and apply it to like what's going to happen to you annually every single tax season, bro, I could I could really find a way to save money. It's a great feeling because after after 
all the money that I was expecting to have to pay off, more than half of it got written off. So, bless that. So, on a final note, which is like probably like the most I heard to think of this <laughs> this episode. What is the most ridiculous thing you spent money on? Yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous for you. So I don't like. Is I it won't... like something that I'm just like? Oh, why did I buy this? I mean, that's up. That's the definition up to you. Pretty sure I have a different answer, but it's pretty ridiculous when I bought Jack in the Box. They didn't like try to pay me back and then charge me for fries. And like, I also bought a hotel so we could stay there. But then they complained <clears throat> about it. Mm. Like, that was pretty ridiculous. Mm. 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 Well, I guess mm. in that case, uh, I paid for <laughs> parking. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. We're going there. And gas. And gas. And actually driving. And drove the whole yeah. So that's not that's not buying. About my time. Yeah. Pretty yeah. ridiculous for time my, is money. Other person's not white. So back when I actually moved into this house. I uh, I wanted to get soundproofing for obviously streaming, and I saw myself like streaming almost like a lot actually. But with times change and everything going on, I actually wanted to cover my. I had an idea to cover my whole room filled with soundproofing. Then I may have bought about. Actually, let me just show you how much I've bought in soundproofing. I have. Yeah, that's a lot of panels. I was kind of going to do... Oh, you have more. <laughs> I have a lot more soundproofing. Hey, dude, I'll buy some off you. <laughs> I will literally just give you guys this. He has a lot to spare. I remember being in his room. I was like, dude, you have so much. I should have took some while I was there. <laughs> oh. Damn. Oh. I was actually going to buy some of those, too. Music so much. <laughs> that would actually been perfect since I record so much. I feel that same. Because I'm, like, shooting in a corner, and it's just... Yeah, I'm coming back, Emmy. Actually, um, Aya's dad told me about that technique about just putting in the corners. So being a lot, that's why I have so much soundproofing. It's that I just put them in the corners of my room. Don't listen to my dad. <laughs> I would do the same thing though. Like, just put it right in front of me, like how you have it. Just because, like, mm -hmm. specifically because I'm only recording here. But then if I was, if I had my drum kit in my room, yeah, I'd want to like <laughs> do the mm -hmm. whole thing because. Literally, we were just talking, and I don't have, like, I don't have, like, drum kit or guitar as, like, loud as, like, honestly. It's just, like, the the corner right here, and then the top corner, and I have a little design just in this corner. God damn. You really do have a lot of soundproofing. <laughs> yeah. I can't really think of anything that was ridiculous, but I can tell you two things that was almost ridiculous and something that happened to a friend. The one thing that almost happened to me back when I used to rent a garage so I could park my car to go to school in. It was an incident where the tenant that parks next to me no, who, also I happened, who also happens to live there, he decided to put his shit in my spot. And my car is already, like, just big enough to still fit in the lot, but also very risky to pull out of the lot because of how much shit is scattered in the garage. And one of the items that he left in my spot in like the darkest corner of my of my parking spot was this big piece of plexiglass like he left a fat piece of plexiglass i'm talking about a 300 dollar frame of plexiglass just God. thrown on the garage floor in the corner of my parking spot 
So it's already dark when I park my car into the garage. I don't know what's in my spot until I turn the lights on. Well, obviously, as I'm trying to inch myself close to my spot, I feel my tires run over something. And the dude tried to tell me that I owed him $300 of plexiglass. And I told him, that's my spot. Why are you putting shit in my spot? And I fought with the landlord. Landlord said, Mario's in the right. That's your fault. Fuck you. <laughs> so I got away with that. That would have been ridiculous. I almost spent 300 bucks on a piece of plexiglass that was in my space that I'm renting out of my own fucking money. Asshole. Second thing. This happened to a friend. Now, this is back when eBay was preminent. People didn't know much about Amazon. Amazon Prime wasn't really a thing. Yes. eBay. Everybody knows eBay is the, how should I say, most trusted source in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> basically my friend and i back in middle school because this is when we started collecting sneakers we would try to make money off you know buying sneakers reselling sneakers like that was just kind of like our income because we couldn't work a job my friend made a dumb decision to purchase a pair of said cool gray 11s on ebay for 380 dollars. now give or take 380 for cool grays if they were dead stock not a bad price it's a believable price because most of them were going for like three to three fifty at the time. So three eighty was kind of a little much, but he was like, fuck it. I want the shoes. I'm gonna hold on to them and hopefully, you know, sell them later when they're worth four hundred plus, which eventually they did. Eventually they got to like five hundred. However, he didn't receive a pair of cool grays. When he received his eBay package, a fat box, definitely a little too big for a shoe box. He opens up the box and he spent $380 on bamboo. No. Ain't no way. He opened up the box in front of us and he said, this is a joke, right? And we looked inside. It was just piles of bamboo inside of a cardboard box. Dang. So trust eBay. <laughs> and also use PayPal because my friend didn't. That is oh. the story. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this video is sponsored by and this video <laughs> is also sponsored by paypal <laughs> now if you go ahead and go to paypal make a new account you put in the promo code marsbars you can save 25 percent <laughs> off your next purchases <laughs> <laughs> i think when it gets to like ridiculous i don't know if it's ridiculous anymore it's just like things that i kind of tying back to our last episode wants versus needs i didn't need this mic or the ps5 or this new mac mini <laughs> like i could i could have been fine with all the other shit but i was it, you know, when it comes to tech, you're just, I want to upgrade this shit. And, like, I bought this right. fucking controller. Like, I mean, I use it to stream because I don't have, I can't graphics card stuff, whatever. Uh, what's the thing right. with the Elgato? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that stuff's pretty ridiculous. Uh, but that's why I was, like, trying to define what is ridiculous. Expensive, want versus need, or something that uh, inconvenienced me. Really this? <laughs> <laughs> if I ever look at ridiculous, I would... I would say it's beyond a want. I would say that could have been easily avoidable. Like, for example, the plexiglass thing. If you just did not have the plexiglass in my space, you could have saved yourself a $300 piece of fabric. But no, you wanted to fucking stuff all your shit in the garage. I literally had nowhere to put my personal things if I even wanted to. And even if I had personal things I wanted to bring with me in the car, I put it in my trunk. So it's just like, I don't know how you have this much shit. I understand you live here also, but god damn, this garage is too <laughs> small for you to have too much shit outside. <laughs> the one thing that comes to mind is the chain smokers concert. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a uh, that was a bad who? purchase. <laughs> who? <laughs> who? 
I'm I'm gonna tell everyone right now. It is not worth a hundred dollars mm. for for the time that we went. And it was um it was during the time that they had just released their album, the one that had Coldplay on it, right? Right. Not worth. <laughs> I thought that you know I think me and Avery both thought because we both saw Col- uh Chainsmokers at the same time, and this is during like their EP area that they were gonna be good. It was not. They were just racist. <laughs> it was very racist because it was in May, around the fourth or the fifth. And uh guess what they wore? They were Poncho. fucking some like sombreros and ponchos and everything. I thought at least if they were gonna be racist, they were at least they were at least gonna be good. They were not. <laughs> <laughs> they played like five seconds of each song of their of their EP. And then played all shitty songs off of their of whatever they played, and we were in a section <laughs> of the crowd where everyone was like, "Shut up! Stop! Stop talking! Just play like back of the year like EP shit." Everyone was saying, everybody, everybody was saying it. Right. I feel like that made community around us because people were just like, "Boo!" Like, straight up, like, I was like, wow, I've never seen. (laughs) But, like, people were just so mad. It's like, stop singing. I don't want to hear you talk. And I was like, god damn. But, like, they were right. (laughs) It was kind of that kind of scene where the the drapes kind of come down. More than three-fourths of the stage is, like, covered other than, like, the the drapes. Mm -hmm. And they come out in the middle of the drapes and be like, it's like a, a comedy act or something. But... They're wearing ponchos and a sombrero on the day. You know what I mean? The only saving grace was that they played the song that they had with Coldplay. That was it. It was not worth 100 bucks. Because I don't imagine we're going to uh, have time to record again. <laughs> but uh, she got going on in March. <laughs> Celebrated like four birthdays today. I am... I, dude, before coming to this, I was really drunk. <laughs> I am so drunk. <laughs> My birthday is on March and the 31st, so that's coming up. 22, 22. baby. 22. Damn, you old. I know. I'm following short after, too. I know. It's so yeah. crazy to me the, to think that my fucking birthday was just a few months ago. And then coming up on a year. <laughs> so Whoa. what we were saying is that during the summer, we should go to Vegas. We'll see how money looks at that point. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess in the coming weeks, uh, got spring break at the end of the month. Changed my flight, so I will see you there, Mario. Oh, wow. yeah. So All right. uh, we'll Sick. meet up. <laughs> Me and I. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, just to get out of this area. <laughs> Me and I are going to Colorado to see Porter Robinson. Excited to visit the Red Rocks mm. Amphitheater because I've been like wanting to see right. that national park and venue for like since covid <laughs> and it's just it just looks really pretty and i'm excited to experience it and visit the state of colorado i've never been there so I agree. we're like my family is apparently supposed to have like timeshare or like a, a land in colorado dude i'm actually really excited i was actually um i was telling airy when are you going to school when are you going back to school and it's like uh probably like in the middle of august it's like fuck I mean, like, part of it was like, yeah, you should come to someplace near Cancun with me because I'm supposed, I'm, I'm going to Cancun around that time at the end of August. But 
there was a like a festival where both Maddion and Porter are there. I'm just like, I want to go. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> if, if anything, I just want to see like Maddion again. Like his album "Good Faith" is very much like a worship or like gospel. Not, gospel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Like gospel album, but then "Good Faith Forever" is like ten times on top of that, and I'm just like, fuck, I want to see it again. Um, <laughs> going back to Avery's question, March I will be. Studying for midterms that I got coming up in the next couple weeks. I uh, agree. The, the remaining midterms that I have are all take home, and I'm given a week from the time that they're uploaded on Canvas. Nice. And actually, there's a third one, but the third one's not due until Hi. possibly. What's up? We're in the middle of a recording. If you'd like to, oh, take around. What's up, everyone? Um, but anyways, the midterms I have three in total. But the third one's going to be not due until the 30th, which will be a little bit after I come back from SoCal. So, And it's one of my easier midterms. It's based on Excel, so I'm not sure yeah. about that. And then the other midterm that I have going on, uh, which is financial accounting, uh, that's open book, open notes. And then I guess the only one that I should really care about is my business midterm, because that one covers like three units of stuff. So obviously I want to get on the ball with that starting tomorrow. Um, and then... Of course, flying down to SoCal to see Sarah. Uh, she's performing yeah. uh, in a Pacific Island. Um, oh, damn, maybe we shall go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe we can. Unfortunately, it's th the tickets are sold out. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Can she get us some, uh, some, some you know, some Unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I'll go check it out with her mom. Um, and then We'll see what uh what underlying events we got going on, but uh, yeah, All right. that's that's what March is. Yeah, I was um my brother and I were talking about going to Coachella because it's like it's the first Coachella after pandemic. We're talking about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you and Avery can come because uh we have like a lot of room because we're you're camping this year and whatever." And I was like, "What's the date?" And he's like, "This date, this date." He's like, "Fuck, I'm taking the GMAT exam that weekend." So, it, it's like it's the weekend right after i walk for a uh, graduation that so. too you guys got the commencement coming up uh, yeah early congrats to uh, mario and aya ooh, 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 ooh. Yay. or i guess late Yay. late congrats <laughs> yeah late congrats two years later yeah, right. i know dude we can finally get to walk yeah. high five <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's really cool talked about it on the on a previous uh episode but fuck you to anybody who said that we were gonna walk so <laughs> i got no plan bro trying to write this song <laughs> i gotta work yeah, he's working i gotta work. trying to write a song with all of us in it <laughs> i'm done i've worked with everybody here except for uh you Aya, and matt if he wants to be in it he can be ad libs <laughs> he can be the intro the intro <laughs> I'm, uh, friend, I'm just like, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. Everybody here, give your Twitch or like anything you want to shout out. Go ahead. Uh, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt. Follow me at twitch.tv/castagranada, spelled C-A-S-T-A, 
G-R-E-N-A-D-A. And yeah, uh, hopefully see you on another episode. Make sure you're active. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twitch.tv slash x underscore marsbars underscore x. Um, I stream whenever I can. And uh, I mean, for those who have been watching episodes before, uh, you know the drill. Congrats on 200, 200 followers, yes, by the way. 200 followers. My Twitch is twitch.tv slash simplynko. I don't stream as often, but I am start slowly getting back into it ever since like Follow him on, a, on Spotify and SoundCloud. And YouTube. I forget I have a YouTube channel. True. I should really start posting more. And <laughs> his and his OnlyFans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's later. Already That's just for us. That's for the after hours. That's for the after hours. I haven't streamed in like a month, but uh, twitch.tv slash AveryBallsBalls underscore. Uh, maybe I'll stream this weekend. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> twitch.tv slash SethySeth. Haven't streamed probably three, four months from now. <laughs> Might come back because I've been sick for probably two weeks again. Twitch.tv slash IFAPIO with three A's at the end. A lot of us do like variety streams or like, you know, things that we're really good at, which is kind of whatever. <laughs> we're, good at, we're good at wasting time. True. We're <laughs> yeah. good at wasting everyone's time. But thank you for tuning in to another Wine Thursday podcast. You can follow us at in Instagram or um, listen to our previous uh, podcast episodes at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of the like. Um, you can follow everybody who just mentioned all this shit here. Uh, I'm drunk, so uh, cheers! Cheers! <laughs>